Welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we do not like anyone walking very slowly and methodically towards us. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're currently in the last peak millennial stretch of this fourth series of the podcast where we're looking at teen horror movies in depth and exploring why teenagers, and especially teenage girls, make some of the most compelling protagonists and villains of the genre. We've now reached a moment where there is a noticeable shift in the genre. What some, not me though, have called elevated horror. It's 2014, David Robert Mitchell's It Follows comes out alongside other notable breakout hits in the horror space like Anna Lillian Rapport's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which we covered in our Vampire series, as well as Jennifer Kent's The Babadook and Lee Janiak's Honeymoon. There's other breakout hits like Goodnight Mummy and Creep. It was a really, really exciting time for horror movies. And It Follows drew almost universal acclaim across the board and brought an entirely new energy to the now, at this point in 2014, kind of tried genre of teen horror. Joining me to discuss how exactly it did that is the extraordinary actor and writer Isara Barber-Brown. A quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UK. We also have a Patreon where you can support our work and get occasional bonus episodes. If you don't want to support us over there, no problem, but I'd so appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps keeps us in the chart and helps people discover the show. If you're new to this podcast, please keep in mind that we talk spoilers pretty much from the very beginning. So anyone listening to this, I assume you have seen the film. And with all of that said, please enjoy our take on It Follows. So (laughs) I have been looking forward to this episode. A lot, Isara. Thank you so much for picking this film. Thanks for having me for this film. I love this film. So this is like, yeah, a real treat. It's it's going to be exciting. It also feels like a turning point mm. in in horror and teen horror specifically. Um, so before we, we start digging into It Follows, remind us what the film is about. Um, so it starts with we see this girl like run out of her house in like a nighty she's obviously scared of something we don't know what it's like early morning her dad or like early yeah early morning her dad doesn't know what's wrong with her or it's like late i don't know what time it is it doesn't matter (laughs) her dad doesn't know what's going on and she like runs around the street for a bit then runs back into her house and runs back out and gets in a car and drives then she just sits on a beach and she's obviously waiting for something to come for her again that we can't see and then the next morning she's like dead on the beach and she's all like bent and like like all broken in weird ways um and the whole thing is basically about this thing that we we never know exactly what it is this entity this being this thing it it um it passes from person to person and it follows you slowly but con- constantly once you once it's been passed on to you and the way it's passed on is via having sex 
with someone. So it's this long chain of people and it just passes person to person and it's always coming for you at the same pace, but always. Um, and the, if it gets to you, it kills you and then it goes back to the person before you. So there's a real, um, there's a real need for it to not just pass on, but to pass on who's to someone who's going to stay alive so that it doesn't come back mm. to you. Um, and it follows the main characters. This is one teen girl, um, who lives in, I guess it's Detroit, right? Yeah. Like in this, um, her, her sister and like two of their friends, um, who hang out all the time and she's dating this guy. Um, he seems like a nice guy. It's all going well. Then there's like one date, he's acting a bit weird. They sleep together the first time and then he, like he chloroforms her. Um, to to give himself time to tie up and give himself time to explain what's about to happen, that this thing's going to be coming after her, that she needs to stay alive, that she can't let it touch her. He basically lays out the rules of what's going to happen. He's like, don't let it touch you. Never go anywhere without two exits, without more than one exit. Um, it's always coming. It's slow, but it's not stupid. Like all this, he lays out all the things for her in this like very like, well, she's like panicking and doesn't really know what's going on. And then the whole thing becomes about her trying to figure out if it's true. And then once she realizes it is, um, her and her friends basically trying to protect her for as long as they possibly can and trying to find a way out of this situation. Um, so it's like, you know, a nice band of teenagers type film. Um, so like, this little cute gang of teens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's essentially about teenagers doing it, doing it, doing it. Like that's like literally what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like about, it's like very specifically about like, Hey guys, you know how teens have sex? Um, like here's a scary thing that's attached to that for some reason. Um, <laughs> that's like the premise of most teen horror yeah. movies. Hey guys, did you know that teenagers sometimes like to have sex? Let's punish them and for yeah, it. If they do, they will die. Um, yes. So <laughs> that- but let's let's extend that they will die bit. Just just extend it for a hundred minutes. Yeah. Let's just yeah. So like, but that's their first fatal mistake was having sex in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's 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 great and it's a great premise and it works. It's really effective. Um, yeah, great film all so, around. So tell me, what is your relationship with the film? Like, when did you first watch it, and um, how did it change for you upon rewatch? So I first saw it when it was in the London Film Festival. So when it really first, first, first came out. So I was at the... Q- oh my God, same! Oh, so you were probably at the same Q&A with the director and Michael Blythe. Yeah! Yes. So- oh my God, well, we're at the same screening. <laughs> we didn't know each other. We knew each other. <laughs> I oh. was there too. <laughs> um, so that was my first, and I didn't really... It was when I, I still worked at a cinema myself. So I just, like, all my mm. friends are working at the London Film Festival. So I was getting free tickets. Just, I kind of wasn't even picking films. I was just getting, like, random free tickets. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll go see whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of by accident. Mm. I didn't know anything about it. And I loved it. I really didn't know what to expect. And I absolutely loved it. And you could just feel in the, like, in the audience, right? Like, the, the, once people like the minute it starts and like because I think at London Film Festival a lot of people go into films not really knowing it or like approaching it the same way they would if they were just going to the cinema on like a Saturday night or something Mm -hmm. and you could just feel how engaged everyone was and there's not that many jump scares or even like proper scares in this film but the ones that did happen 
really like got a reaction and I just remember like at the end when the director comes on and he's got head braces at the time and he looked he's like he was kind of shy and really sweet and it was just like you made this and I just I it's always a shy one he was just like always oh. a shy one here's yeah. my little film like, oh sorry yeah and it was fascinating because most of the audience questions were people trying to figure out um how to get out of it they're like oh but if you did this and he'd be like no because of this and they'd be like mm. and it felt just like this puzzle everyone was like no one's really even asking that many questions about the film they were just like but if he did this wouldn't it be like fine and he's like no because you need that person to blah 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 and I was like this is amazing because he's made this like impossible situation everyone's just like how would you get out of it um which is such a good for a film not to have like a hole in it that's obvious like why don't they just do this for people to really genuinely be stumped at the end of it and I think we I was thinking about it like the whole way home and then also was super paranoid the whole way home when when anyone was walking anywhere near me (laughs) I was like and it's like that's when it really hit me I was like oh my gosh am I being followed or like what the fuck um so it was just really good it just made you think about a lot of things and just it looks really great and it sounds really great and I think there was just a lot of like things to love about it um and I'm really glad I saw it in that way and I'm really glad I got to see the Q&A with the director and like yeah with that audience it was really with you specifically (laughs) unbeknownst to me I'm glad (laughs) I got to see it with you Anna um but yeah that's that's yeah that's mine I had a I had a like a weirdly very similar experience to yours I mean obviously we were at the same screening without Mm. knowing each other but I remember I was working at the London Film Festival at the time it was my first job in London and it was starry-eyed and kind of didn't really know what to expect it was my first year in London as well and I Michael Michael Blunt who programmed that film and who still programs for the London Film Festival like just Mm. essentially just sent me like oh yeah go watch this and like I got a ticket and I went by myself and I had no idea what to expect I was completely blind as to what to expect I knew um I think I'd seen David Robert Mitchell's the myth of the American sleepover his previous film which is not horror at all Mm. I'd seen it like whenever that came out but I had no I wasn't really thinking about films in that festival release schedule way yet and I just remember Mm. similarly to just being there like I have no idea what I'm watching I'm so engaged none of these the rules are all there but they're completely visualized in a different way Mm. this is so far removed from like scream or anything else that I'd ever seen before in horror. I'm laughing because I can see my cat in the yeah, because because you're talking, but I'm also watching Vlad like have a moment. Uh, he's not even doing anything; he's making noise and like just standing there. Um. <laughs> he is he is my it. He is my it. He is following me around everywhere quietly, but annoyingly slowly everywhere. <laughs> I just love that he's just making this like quite like specific meow noise, but this <laughs> I do just like remember this um like this weird this like weird intense feeling of the film breaking rules 
that were kind of implicit to horror films and to horror films with teenagers at the heart of them. And when I, I've rewatched it a couple times uh, since then, but when I rewatched it for this for this episode, I was like, shit, this film looks entirely different. It looks like uh, um, it looks so vast. It looks so big. It almost looks like this weird suburban western where all the shots are so ample, so so wide. Everything has a sort of art housey, languid, virgin suicide style feel to it that that kind of I'm not we're not really used to in horror films or weren't used to at this point at least. And I just remember I think like in retrospect even being so surprise and like i can i can see now even at that even at that very lff i don't mm. know if you saw it at that festival as well but a girl walks home alone at night was mm. also screening and a lily my poor's film and i remember kind of you know i didn't watch the film in that screening because i was working but i remember sort of having to see a bit of her q a with michael too and it was like oh wow this like the end, I caught the ending of it and kind of the, the vibe of the festival. And it was that uh, a lot of people are talking about it. And it really felt like there was something shifting in the horror landscape at that time, in this particular moment, kind of, you know, in 2014. Mm. I don't know. I think because I think honestly, I think there was a moment where horror struggled to understand how to make, especially like a teen horror or a, like that's not a slasher like a more serious mm. teen horror, but that also deals with like the modern modernity of like f- mobile phones and mm-hmm. being able to travel quite easily and like get away from things quite easily. And uh, I don't know. I think, I think there was, I think there was a like, kind of a moment of like, I think in the early 2000s, they were kind of like, Oh, we embrace it. We make the technology somehow part of like that horrible film where like the phone kills you or whatever the fuck. Um, like, and it was just like, no, that doesn't really quite work. And so I think, and then there was suddenly this wave of like, some people found a way to do it that felt really new. Like a girl walks home alone at night just felt like a different perspective. Even like stuff like let the right one in, it's like a perspective Mm -hmm. change where it's just like, what if it's not like about finding the cause of this like terrible thing? What if it's about like, I don't know. What if it was about like the people it's happening to? Yes. But then sometimes what if the terrible thing isn't that terrible at first glance or like I don't know it, it was it was just a more interesting point of view people just started experimenting with I think and also what the characters needed to be who are protagonists was also changing like those rules felt like they changed about I mean not drastically but like it's still for as far as not necessarily looks wise <laughs> who they were but definitely personality or character wise that felt like it was shifting i mean this is also the the time that people i think because of this film because of a girl walks home alone at night because of babadook also the Mm. same year um uh, honeymoon is not a film that that many people talk about but it also came out the same year which i think is uh relevant this was around this time that people started talking about, you know, quote unquote, elevated horror, which is an expression that I hate. Right. But um, you've kind of mentioned a couple of things, but what do you think makes It Follows feel so new? Um, I think he's kind of, it obviously is like fairly re- like modern times, but it feels kind of weirdly timeless. 
Like, and even though, again, it's somewhere quite specific, we know it's set in Detroit, like in the suburbs mm. of Detroit, it, it feels kind of also not not specific. There's nothing in it. There's none of those shots where it's like, here's, De- here's Detroit, this, this is where we are. It's um, also um, just, which is actually, it's new, but kind of not. It's a recycling maybe um, mm-hmm. that, the not feeling the need to explain everything, not feeling the need for huge amounts of exposition felt really refreshing. Um, like landing us in this place with these characters and letting us catch up to who they are mm-hmm. and what was going on in their lives. Um, the way that the parents, oh, we're going to talk about that later, I think more, but the way the parents aren't really around, but in a way mm-hmm. that makes it very noticeable in this one, rather than it being this dismissed thing of like, oh, for some reason their parents aren't here. It's like a choice, a really clear choice to half show parents or to show that they're a bit distant, a bit absent and kind of hint at reasons why, but never fully go into it. Like, and it, it feels more bleak for that reason Rather than it being Mm -hmm. like, obviously in the 80s, it's easy to get away with like, oh, the parents just aren't thinking about the kids. But in modern times, it's a bit hard to explain that away. And I think a lot of the times people just kind of avoid kind of explaining why the parents aren't. Or they make it easier. Oh, they're at work. And that's why, that's the only reason why they're not here. Whereas this makes a more pointed effort to be like, no, the parents are not just not around because they're at work. They are removed like from their children's lives in a way that means they feel like they're really on their own. Like you never question the, the fact that they don't go to them. So, you know, it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense. And I think there are things like that, which again, I feel like films have done before, but it was a new way to look at it or a new way to frame it at least. Um, and I think, you know, it's quite a bold film in a lot with like the, the music choices, um, how some of some of the like lighting is like really washed out and like I don't know I just think it was a really like kind of striking looking film and like a lot of the choices felt quite the fact that it's a film that has like you know uh, what like three instances of like teens having sex in it that it's never like titillation and never like framed as like the sexy like oh yeah and there's like a sex scene in it it's just all very like even yeah, I think that just made it feel very new. Like these, I think the same of the films we just talked about, this quiet, like evenness, like the Babadook has it, A Girl Walks Home Alone and I has it, where a lot of the time it's just this kind of like steady thing and then like suddenly something happens and then it goes steady again. And I, I really like that. And I think it pacing wise, even that felt new and felt interesting that it wasn't like, oh, it starts and it's go, 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 go until the end it's like no it ebbs and flows there are like peaks and troughs and um which feels more like life and also just I don't know there's like a, a like a really beautiful bleakness to like the films we've mentioned there's just something across them that just feels like inherently like there's an undercurrent of like sadness I think in a lot of them which I think the 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 um the instinct, especially for teen horror, is often to make it still kind of upbeat, still kind of fun, like have enough quips mm-hmm. in there to keep everyone like entertained and to make just something quite like, <laughs> no, it's all kind of sad. Like even without this horrible thing, like the sad undercurrent, like even if this this horror didn't visit them, there's this sad undercurrent running through the whole, their whole lives, um, which I guess like 
as time's gone on has felt more prevalent to like our actual lives like no matter what's happening there's always this undercurrent of like ah oh, just this kind of shit um so I think people responded respond to that like I think I did I think that's one of the reasons people like have like a, a, such an emotional response to it like genuinely they really love this film and I think that's why and one of the things that I think really I think struck me at the time and definitely I've I've noticed a lot more since is just how the teenagers feel like teenagers mm. and perhaps this is the thing that that makes it that makes this film strike a chord emotionally with audiences is the fact that these teenagers you know you mentioned before that they're like such a cute little group mm. but they're cute in a sense where they are they're kind of dumb but they're not dumb yeah but they're also they're very clearly like not 27 year old mm. film stars who are pretending to be teenagers but are kind of behaving and talking and living lives and having experiences that don't relate to being a teenager and at the same like that that beautiful bleakness that you're talking about it's kind of also in their lives like when we meet them they're sort of very languid mm. sort of lounging around they're not really doing much and that's it's not saying it in a judgmental way it's like no that's actually what you know a lot of teenagers do mm. you know not everybody's like running around and competing i don't know in like varsity sports and things like that mm. they're not kind of necessarily aimless but their lives are not massively eventful. Right. Um, so I'm kind of wondering kind of what do you what do you make about the teenagers of the film? And I guess specifically Jay, who's the who's Michael Monroe's character, who's the protagonist, who like gets um cursed mm. or infected with it, and then kind of has to carry her the curse of her kind of carries propels everyone to sort of follow her and try to protect her and try to solve you know solve this thing or kill this thing so i think you're right about teens like we've talked about this in um battle royale how it makes a huge mm -hmm. difference when teens look like teens yeah. because it suddenly makes everything that's happening to them more horrifying because they're not muscle bound like 27 year olds um you know where you're like well they're probably going to be fine whatever <laughs> like i don't know yeah. and like any stupid decision they do make it makes more sense to you because you're like well yeah they're thinking it's not even like a dumb decision like oh, i just haven't done this thing it's like no they're just thinking like teenagers and they just don't know what to do so they're just taking it like moment by moment and i like that they're like yeah like you said these languid just hanging out it's it, like it's, it's the summer i guess like no, because she goes to school, back to school. So maybe I don't know, but they have a lot of free time. <laughs> it, it feels like it feels like fall, right? In a way. So yeah, maybe yeah, because yeah, school's still in. So I'm like, but they don't seem to be. But anyway, but um, they are just hang. And I usually what you have is the teenagers who are like at school and very involved with school and going to pep rallies and doing all that shit. And then the ones who are always just hanging out somewhere, like the bad teens, or they just don't care about anything. And I like that they don't fit into any camp. They're just regular teens who just like sitting around, not doing very much. And and even the fact it's not a big deal that they drink a little bit and smoke a little bit. It's like, yeah, because that's what teens are doing. Like, they, they, you know, they're sneaking things and then it doesn't have to be this big, like, oh my God, this is something we do because we're like bad. It's like, no, pretty much like most teens, <laughs> like at some point are experimenting with these things. And even the fact that sex is introduced, like, it's like, yeah, that's when you're thinking about it a lot. Like you're full of hormones and of course, you, you know, I don't know. So, um, I do like that about them. And Jay in particular, it's, 
I love her because she's like that. Like there's one bit when who says to her sister, like, I wish Jay wasn't so pretty. And her sister's like, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. And I love that she's at kind of like this small town, like pretty, like, like, I mean, the actress is like very pretty, but like the way that she's yeah. dressed is like that very much like, oh, the pretty girl who lives on our street. She's like that one girl. And mm-hmm. um, like there's a bit where like little boys are watching her like in the swimming pool in the back of her house and stuff like that. Like she's that girl. But even then, in, it's still in context. It's not like she's that girl. She walks around like flipping her hair in slow motion. She's like regular girl. Um, just that everyone else has decided that she's like the fittest girl on the street. Um, it, it really reminded me like the way that that's framed. And I sort of mentioned it before, but like it, as you were talking, it made me think about it even more of the virgin suicides, you know, like yes. the Lisbon sisters, where it's like, oh, somebody, the neighborhood boys have decided, or like someone has decided you are the prettiest girls that have ever lived. Right. And it's like, they're just regular girls. Right. And they're like, just regular girls. The myth that revolves around like that person and stuff. And even the next door neighbor who is like very mm-hmm. much like that guy who lives on your street who you think he's fit because he lives on your street. Like, and he has a car and he's a bit older. Like it's all yeah. these circumstantial reasons that like, it's a, it feels like a big deal to them rather than it need to be a big deal to us. It's like, no, I get that this is their world. This is like the people that are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love them. I love that they have that teenage bond of like, even though they're not sure they believe her for like a little bit of the film, that they trust that she's, that what they see it, they trust what they see, which is that she's really mm-hmm. scared and something's wrong, right? So they go along with her because rather than like, which again, in horror films, really, I hate annoying trope when, especially when it's a woman being like, something weird's happening in our house and the husband's like, I'm sure you're just very tired. Um, <laughs> or like just everyone dismisses it, especially if it's a woman saying these things. And the fact that her friends are like, we're not sure what's happening. We're not sure mm-hmm. if, you're at, if you're hallucinating or whatever. But the fact that they know that she needs them. And so they just kind of go along with what she thinks will help is... I love because I like I feel like that's what you would do for your friends like you're you're reacting to what you're seeing there you're not like logicking like an adult would you're going this is and like part of you would be going well maybe it is true and I think because you're younger you're you're the space in your like mind or whatever to be like well maybe this is a thing maybe this could be true because look at how she's reacting and you don't feel the need to like logic it away um Mm -hmm. so I love that about it that they don't massively question her um they just know something's wrong and they just want to help her um I think it's I think it's that teenage part as well like that that part of they don't necessarily understand and mm. she clearly doesn't understand it either but they can see the effect that it's having on her just Mm. how terrified she is since this thing happened and and they believe her fear Mm. even if they don't necessarily believe in it they believe in their friend being terrified you know someone and you've never seen them like that that you mean like Mm -hmm. and it's really scary to see someone you know so well be that terrified of something that you can't identify or understand it's like that would terrify you it'll be like oh my god like it would really like unnerve you and it does and I like that and I also like her 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 like arc in the film like rather than her becoming some like 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 boss bitch like badass like chick it's like no she goes into herself like after the first thing that happens to her which is the guy she she like really liked and like slept with and then he chloroforms her ties to a chair tells her something's after her and like 
it's it and it's like I'm glad they involve they involve this like police interview again where you only see like the policeman from the leg down but where they're asking was the sex was consensual and she's like yes and it's like it's like an assault happened without an assault happening and it's a really hard thing like like it's obviously traumatizing but like you just realize in that moment it's like really hard to explain to a police officer that you were assaulted but not assaulted like and this is a traumatizing situation because it was someone I clearly trusted um Mm. no they didn't hurt me no they didn't do anything violent to me yes they took me home yes the sex is consensual but I am traumatized (laughs) like by what's happened and um she changes she's a different person from that moment on and then every new revelation or everything every time it gets close to her or the more she's like really and then even when she's passed it on right she passes it on to the neighbor boy yeah greg Mm -hmm. who is more too more than happy to oblige um just Mm -hmm. very he's like "Yeah, yeah i'll do it it's great um and um even then she goes in she's in her room She's literally like, she doesn't want to leave her room. She doesn't want to do any, do anything. She doesn't want to like, and then there's a bit, there's a really beautiful scene where after Greg dies, where she's just, all her clothes are everywhere. And she's just literally holed up with a chair against the door, like in her room and doesn't want to leave. It's like, yeah, even if you think you've done it somehow, like got, she's fundamentally like changed as a person. And even like at the end of it, like, even though it's like, arguably like kind of a weird happy ending she is um jaded she's like changed forever and she she, i just i i like that they're kind of these jaded teens i like that their friend is reading the idiot on her little like amazing shell like e-reader like they're just these kind of like cool but don't know they're cool like smart but don't know they're smart like super jaded because of because of stuff that's happened in their real life like teens and this just maybe she was maybe jay was like kind of slightly living above it because of the 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 place she holds in society and now she's just Mm. like down but she's with all of them like she's just as like jaded as all of them and i i really like that about her um yeah i think it's a really great performance i think she does really well she's really touching like i think in those there's so many close-ups mm. of her face in 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 the film which really resonate because like it she's got such an expressive face like she really shifts i think from being kind of languid kind of distant kind of living in her pretty bubble and being seen from the outside to us being so up close mm. to her being terrified and because we're seeing as an audience the things that she's seeing we're seeing it even when nobody else is seeing it, Mm. we're kind of by her side. Like we can see the monster approach. We can see it when she sees it. And it's terrifying. Like the way, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk a bit more about it uh, in a minute, but the way it shifts shapes, the way that Mm. she never, there's a moment where she can't tell if it's actually Greg sleepwalking or if it's it going to kill greg mm. like the and the fact that she knows that she's the only one who can see it mm. it's it's so isolating and so terrifying and kind of the way that you know we're so up close to her face and it's so sad like she is she's like a teenage girl who can't really communicate what's going on with her mm. or make it stop and nobody else can make it stop either so it's so she's so alone even mm. when 
she's like holed up in her house or even when she's with her friends she's still kind of off into a distance mm. kind of not really entirely present and it's really you really feel it when you're so up close to to a performance like that i think and it's really rare that i think we get to spend so much so much time with an actor's face mm. in a film that's like a teen horror film mm. well like you usually kind of okay where's that where's the next violent scene What's the next chit chatty scene? What's the scene that's going to make us relax? We don't relax at all. And mm-hmm. it follows. Like from the moment she, um, she gets it, it's like, it's tension all the time. Yeah. Because even if you're like a scene, a scene where nothing in particular is happening, it's like, you know, at this point, you know, at some point this thing is going to turn up. It is still coming towards you. And like knowing that as an audience member, like, shit like this is it's relentless like you're just like it's oh my god it it's coming <laughs> like it's it's literally always coming like and this moment is it can only ever last so long because at some point this thing is going to turn up this like calm that we apparently are experiencing is only going to last so long because at any given moment like it's going to be ruined um i think that's it's yeah she she does a really good a really good job of playing because it's, oh, it's a really hard thing to play like the more I think about it mm. because it's constant for her as well but she's just trying to like at, she's navigating it different ways at different points I guess like and it's just um yeah it's really it's really good um really good like I'm thinking specifically of that moment on the beach, you mm. know, which is the moment oh. where her friends actually like fully believe her because they get to see something supernatural happen. But like, I, I remember watching it and like you first see it coming in the, in the shape of a, of a, another teenager, really. Mm. And you don't think about it twice. And then suddenly the shot doesn't really change and the person just keeps on walking towards them. You don't really think about it until suddenly you clock that it must be it. So. I'm wondering kind of what do you think about it? What makes it so scary for you? I think it's that thing. I mean, it's kind of the same premise as like in a different way of like a Mike Myers character or something. Mm -hmm. Those killers that are never running after you. They never seem to do very much work to get you, but they will always turn up. They will always find you. And even if you're running full pelt and they're walking somehow they will get there. And the idea of this is so scary because obviously it's not like, I guess Mike Myers is kind of supernatural at this point, but like, um, this is like full supernatural, right? So it's not like it was ever, we don't really, we don't actually know what it is, but we, it's not a person, right? It's something else. It's an entity of some kind. And it's like the idea of like, if you got on a plane and like flew away <laughs> to like the other side of the world, yeah, you'd be fine for a while probably, but at some point, this thing is going to turn up. And also the idea that, yes, you can pass it on, but you have to pass it on to someone who wants to stay alive, right? Because it's no point. Because one of the questions I remember in the audience was like, well, you couldn't just sleep with like a prostitute. It's like, to what end? Like, if you don't tell her, um, and so she doesn't fight to stay alive. So yeah, she might sleep with the next person in quite quick succession, but then is he going to sleep with someone else? Like quickly enough is it going to pass on quickly enough for you to give you actual time and if no one knows they're not actually looking out for this thing so mm-hmm. it's like there's no easy it's, it becomes the same equivalent right. of like going somewhere far away it yeah. will give you it will buy you time but actually it will that those people will fall 
Yeah. Like very, very quickly because so they don't know what always, they're against. For the rest of your life, and you just imagine this chain of people who have maybe some of them have lived very long lives and always been like like looking over their shoulder in case this thing comes back to them. And I'm like, that's a really terrifying, like impossible foe. No one knows how to kill it. Like they've shot it, they've hit it, and it's like there's maybe there is a way to kill it, but no one knows how. Um, you can't talk to it. There's no like research you can do on it. It's just this thing that's happening, and I think that and the fact that it can look like anybody just means that you know if you're in a busy place, how do you know which one's a stranger, who's the weird one, who's walking directly towards you, who's just not like a regular person? If it's a family member, how do you know like it's not actually your sister or brother or mum or dad or whatever? Um, and sometimes they're weirder and I think it almost feels like it toys with her. Like sometimes they're so weird. It's like, this can only be to freak her out. Like when it's a naked person, it's like, well, there's no chance mm-hmm. she thinks that's normal. Like in the middle of this like place that this naked person's walking towards her. So it feels like, and even the first one she sees, like besides the one that he shows her, the one that breaks into a house, which is a girl who looks really horrifying and is like wetting herself and it's like that's clearly to really fucking scare her because what else Mm -hmm. would this be for um or like when there's a there's a naked man on her roof yeah like just standing on her roof instead of moving right that one i remember thinking like what is the point of that you're not even like what are you doing how did you get on the roof like what are you doing on the rooftop that's not how you catch her because and so it's like and it's also that thing of like um it's interesting because it does have very specific rules and I do like that they are laid out at the very beginning. So, you know, mm-hmm. like, but it also is bound by human things. So like, it can't like just pass through a door, for example, it, it has to like open yeah. the door, the door has to be open or, um, like it can't do anything like that. It has to smash a window to get in and stuff like that. So stuff like that's kind of comforting because like you just pass through something and suddenly be in somewhere with you. But also, like, yeah, the roof stuff, it's like, well, then did it, like, climb up on the roof? Like... (laughs) For what purpose? And it's like, so that's what I mean. It feels like sometimes just toying with her. Like, it Mm -hmm. just wants to freak you out. It's just toying. Like, even the bit where, like, when Greg kills us, his mum... And there's a weird sexual element to all of it, right? When there's, like, there's quite a lot of... It's often quite noodle, like, some body part showing, or there's some weird... And obviously, when Mm -hmm. Greg... When it it is Greg's mum, like, the actual act of what it's doing to kill Greg looks like... It looks like weird dry humping. um, Yeah. Like, weird, terrifying dry humping. But, like, also, it's, like, knocking on the door as his mum, rather than even trying to open it. So, again, it feels like a weird toying with, a weird, like, fucked up, like... I don't know. And the fact that you can still see it even when it's past you, when it's, when you've passed it on it, you can still see it again, feels Mm. like a constant, like, fuck you. (laughs) Like it feels like it just, it wants to be in your head more than anything all the time. Um, which is fascinating. Mm. It's like psychological as well. It's like, it's like doing psychological, like mind games with you, um, for some reason, as well as being this terrifying thing that's always coming and wants to kill you. Um, which one did you find most um, most terrifying? The tall man yeah. at the bedroom door. He's just too tall. Like, and it's just <laughs> like the fact that he like does that stoop to. And I was like, that is that's one of the first moment I was truly like, <gasps> like that really scared me. And the kid as well, like who crawls mm. at the beach. 
Um, but like, they're all kind of, the minute you clock it, you're like, oh, they just become scary because you're like, oh my God, they're just walking in this weird straight line directly for me and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a really effective, like, it's, scary thing. It's also weird that it can be so, and I think this is like the greatest compliment to pay to, the, to this film, is that it, it's so scary when we actually get only literally two instances of it being actually violent mm. like when it actually gets to grab well maybe three if you consider like the last scene in the pool and stuff mm. it's like being quite quite full-on but we see um we see the the kind of the creature it grab her hair and then like half of that scene it's it's invisible mm. so we see it kind of from everybody else's point of view and then we see a uh, greg's mom kind of do that weird alien-esque kind of dry humping thing mm. and greg is just dead almost instantly mm. that feels very intense and weird but like other than that it's just it walking yeah or sort of trying to grab someone but we barely see it do anything actually explicitly violent mm. and it's still so terrifying despite the fact that it's not really doing much yeah um so i'm kind of wondering what do you think Outside of the fact that it's really slow moving, and I personally find that really much creepier than someone like running. Yeah. <laughs> like someone just like, relentlessly, consistently walking towards you yeah. is horrifying. Um, but what do you think kind of, we, we, you talked a little bit about the Q&A with David Robert Mitchell, but what do you think about the transmission of it and like these rules that the film set out that do seem pretty, even though they're very simple, seem very ironclad? It's interesting um, because the rules are kind of a mix of this is what it, this is what it's doing. It's walking towards you all the time. Don't let it touch you. Um, mm -hmm. It's never going to stop. It's moving slowly but always moving. Um, and then there's the other rules that are like never be somewhere that only has one exit. Then there are rules for like mm -hmm. just existing with this thing following you. Pass it on as soon as you can. Make sure you tell the person um you know that yeah like survival rules yeah and um they are but then it doesn't go into detail about exactly we know it's passing through sex but there's like quite mm -hmm. like it's like is it interesting because at the time i don't remember anyone asking about this but it's like is it only penetrative sex is it um because like you know our quick kids are safe like <laughs> because fantastic um but like um and is it um is it unprotected sex or does it matter like there's certain things that we don't know necessarily um and sometimes it seems to take longer so sometimes it's like is it really always because sometimes they don't move very far and it seems to take a long time for it to get to them like for example when she passes it on to greg and greg's just going about his normal days right for days yeah for days and so it's like is it just like giving him that space so he relaxes um because he doesn't really believe her so he is going to relax um whereas with jay there's no point in like giving that space because she's already terrified and does believe it because he showed her um so yeah it's really interesting because there's also things that operate in a, in a system that we don't know about and you feel like you're hearing the rules that's obviously been passed on from person to person from just from what they know 
which isn't everything it's it feels like like how it if it really happened how it would really be it's like these are the things we know which is like we don't have any more information we don't know if like if certain other types of sex are fine if like it's it's just very specific things that you're like these are things that people have learned probably the hard way <laughs> like that these are the rules um which is amazing because it still leaves questions that that don't that aren't plot holes which feel like there could be answers to it's just that there's no reason for anyone in this film to know what they are um mm. so it's fascinating for that reason like it's just really clever and it kind of I think you mentioned like I mean I think we're going to talk about it in a bit but like one of his influences you know is um Wes Craven and you think about films like Scream and like laying out these rules is like a really I don't know it's just a really nice way to set up a story to be like these are the rules and then we're gonna break some or like Mm -hmm. these are the parameters of this story um and I guess it's like obviously like in Scream it's like very meta (laughs) and stuff but this seems more like yeah more like scarce and pulled back so there's there's also like the 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 logic or the dream logic of Nightmare on Elm Street right Right. which is also Wes Craven which is like yeah these are the rules that don't necessarily conform to our understanding of reality but they need to make sense in the story world that's that's the only world that they need to make sense in yeah and as long as it makes sense there then that tracks yeah and it's and it's clever because he's done it so he we learn the rules the same time our protagonist jay learns them and in the same hurried frantic way that she learns them and we only find out more information at the same time she does when she finds jeff and he explains a bit more and stuff but it's not over-explained. It's really pulled back. He's really like, these are, the, these are the few parameters you actually need to know, and I'm not going to explain anything else. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes it more terrifying, because it's like, if this happened to you, like, you you wouldn't have all this information. Like, something becomes less scary the minute you know it's from here, it's this thing, and this is what it... And it's just like, not knowing is what makes it so terrifying. And I think in the, in the Q&A, I remember him saying, I remember Michael asking him, where did this idea come from? And he said he has a recurring nightmare where something is yes. always walking after him. Someone's walking after him and he can't get away. Even if he's running all the time, he can't ever get away. It's always coming after him. It's like a recurring nightmare he has, which <laughs> when he described it, it was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like, it was really scary. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's a really good premise for a film. Like, that is a horrifying thought. That's the most horrifying. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a regular human, that's quite a horrifying thought that someone is oh always God, coming yeah. towards you, like to do you harm. Even if they were just a person, even that person was like just trying to find you all the time. And that feeling of always having to be on the run, even if you felt you were safe for like brief moments of time, really you're always, always, always forever on the run is like, yeah, mm-hmm. so scary. And I think... It's the, it's, I think it's the same reason I find like zombies to be the scariest of like horror movie, like baddies, because I'm like, it's not even, there's no like even malice in it. There's no like even impetus in the way of like, there's no, <laughs> it's not like I've got a vendetta. I want to have you for this specific. It's like, no, they just have one focus that is to like eat you. That's it. 
that's their only <laughs> driving force and if they're especially i don't like fast zombies because i feel like everyone will be dead in like five seconds without fast zombies but like slow zombies are like the idea that these things are constantly just going to have this one idea and then we'll just keep going towards that goal regardless of like anything like even if they're half a body even if they're like falling apart zombies are a monument to perseverance yeah and they're like they have a goal and they will not stop exactly and like there's no logic there's nothing just this one i was like if you as i imagine how powerful if you had one goal and you did you just constantly were walking towards it like it you'd be is it like a very it's a very scary thought (laughs) (laughs) to like be like that and I'm just like that's a scary thing to me like to have something have one they have don't have any other want or need it's not even to get anywhere else once they eat you they want to eat somebody else like it's going to be constant and relentless and I think this kind of scares me for that reason and I'm just like fuck Um, and let's talk a little bit about the idea of sex in this film Mm. because it has been I think a lot of people have interpreted it straight up as like, oh, this is a metaphor for STDs. Mm. First of all, I guess, do you agree with that reading? And kind of, do you think that it follows, shows sex as a sort of a curse? Um, see, I feel like it's, I don't think it's just sex because very different types of sex happens in the film, mm-hmm. you know, and they all have different, different things happened i think it's more it's more about trusting who you have sex with i don't know that's what it feels like to me like she's dating the first guy and he says is this guy and she doesn't ask too many questions she fully like the bit when he actually chloroforms so she's fully laying down she's not watching what he's doing he's in his boot for some reason she's not looking at him she's not paying attention to her surroundings or anything that's happening because she fully her guard is fully down and he even climbs mm-hmm. into the back of her, he starts kissing the back of her neck, all seems on, and then it's chloroform over. And it, suddenly her world changes, like, in those, in the next, like, however long. Um, and then the next guy is Greg, who's had, she's known for a long time, but, you know, the sex definitely is, is just a, um, a function to, mm-hmm. to hopefully pass it on, because at this point she's really scared and so maybe this is the best choice and he's willing because he wants to have sex with her. He's willing and he doesn't believe this is happening. Um, is why he's willing, not out of any kind of bravery or like anything. And, um, she kind of during the sex and she kind of dissociates is a bit. She's just looking out the door. She just kind of isn't even in it. And you realize the last time she had sex with this awful thing happened to her and she's not engaged in this at all. This is just a means to an end so again like it's again very different sex and the sex for her the first time was satisfying at the time it was happening because it was someone she liked but she made the mistake in trusting and then this guy mm-hmm. is someone she kind she trusts kind of but has made a mistake in the sense of like he doesn't really believe her and his intentions aren't good and then when she has sex with her friend oh what's his name Paul. Paul. Oh, adorable or Paul. Um, but even when he talks to her about it and he tries it, he's like, the bit where she, after Greg dies and she's holed up in a room, like obviously spiraling, and he comes in and sits with her and he says a really weird thing. I love that it's in there, but it's a really weird thing to say at the moment. He's like, you know, I like you too. And it's like, she has sex with Greg because he likes her. 
And she says, like, I thought he, you know, he wasn't scared. That's why it's like, you understand why she's doing this. Like, she's trying to pass it on to someone who thinks. And, like, the fact that he didn't have it in his mind, like, you're closer to her, actually. It'll be scary for her to lose you than it would be to be. She doesn't want to lose Greg either. But it's actually a worse thought to pass it on to you, who she really cares about, and potentially lose you. Um, And the fact that he saw it as, like, oh, you slept with Greg instead of me. And it's, like, such an interesting... Well, I think that's one of my favorite things about, like, uh, Paul. Yeah. Because on in any other movie that paid attention less to the characters, he would just be... He'd be Randy. He'd be, you know, that sort of, uh, quote-unquote, friend zone character mm. who was just pretending to be her friend in order to hopefully one day, if he puts in his time and bides his time, mm. he will get to fuck his friend. Um but, you know, and they do end up together. And I thought the ending was really sweet mm. because they were still being pursued by it, but they were together mm. and they were still, you know, they were kind of, I guess, both sharing the burden. Yeah. And I think that's what ultimately makes her a little bit more relaxed is the fact that she still has this burden. She's still afraid. Right. But she can share it with someone. And Paul is kind of willing to take that on for and her. I think with her. That's what I mean. With her, not for her. It's, it's not it's not the sex, it's the person she's mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like, oh, the sex is a scary thing. It's like, okay, so if if something bad did happen during like it's who you, who you, the choices you make after that. So it's more, I feel like it's less about like, oh, you should have sex, you might get an STD. And more about, you should be careful who you have sex with. And then if something does happen to you, you should then make better choices about who you trust with that information and who you trust to like share that part of yourself with. Um, because with Paul, again, it does feel a bit like they're doing it because he's willing to share that burden with her. Um, but he's, he sticks around. He's there for her. He believes her. He has also tried in many other ways to help her, like genuinely. And, you know, he, even though he's been hanging around hoping he can get with her at some point, he does care about her. He's been in her life for a long mm -hmm. time. He's willing, he fully, and he, I think the big thing is that he believes her. And so is doing it knowing he's putting himself at risk. He's not, he doesn't, like Greg does, doesn't believe us. He doesn't believe he's in any way in, at mm -hmm. risk anyway. Whereas Greg knows for sure he's putting himself at risk. And, still wants to and I think that's a shift why she sees him differently is that after the mm -hmm. poor scene after everything that happens when there's absolutely no denying that this is what some this is thing is going after her and this is what's going to happen he is he still wants to do it it becomes so you realize it becomes less about him being like oh, I just want to have sex with you because I fancy this whole time and really more about caring for her and mm -hmm. actually, even though he, yes, he is the friend zone guy who's always been trying to get, it's like, he does care about her. He is willing to be there at the worst point in her life. Like he wants to stick around. He wants to be part of it. Um, and he's willing to share the burden of what sex comes with, um, in this instance. So I, I feel like it's less of like a, you shouldn't have sex and maybe more of a, I don't think that's, I don't think, I don't genuinely don't think like, um, David had, had a, and like a message in there about like teen sex it, at all. I think he thought it was a fun way for it to be transmitted. I don't think mm -hmm. there was any kind of moral like message in there. But I think if you were looking for one, I think 
it's definitely not about having just having sex like I'm sure like lots of other teens are not having sex and this isn't happening it's it's more about like the type of sex you're having and who you're having it with and who you trust in those situations um because the three types of like the three scenes where you actually see her having sex are like very different and Mm -hmm. um for very different reasons and she's a different person at each stage of that happening so I think it's more that like this journey of like how you can how it can change you and who you share it with is what I get from it I think I I think you're absolutely right and in the sense where I can also see how this film can be interpreted Mm. and kind of you know oh sex is a curse it's a negative Mm. you shouldn't have it which makes it a sort of um like a god what's the word that i'm looking for like a like a weird um optical illusion type mm. of film where if you look at it one way you can 100% see one particular statement and then if you look at it in another way then it becomes something entirely different mm. and i see it very similarly to you where it's like it is i think this the way that sex is presented in this film is very organically teenage mm. i think it's really interesting that we see them talk about sex a lot mm. um in a in a weird awkward kind of cutesy way you mentioned before and i completely agree none of it is titillating mm. even the way that the teenagers are like filmed you know in their bathing suits or like swimming or just messing around whatever not it's all awkward and mm. cutesy and under the covers and it's not it's not you know, it's it doesn't feel like a Hollywood movie that's trying to um show us, you know, adult actors pretending to be teenagers in that sort of porny kind of way. Mm. It's sort of like, no, these teenagers like wear high waisted cotton underpants and they're kind of weird and they're just gonna sit around awkwardly all covered up in a in their mom's old mm. um bed sheets after they after they have sex. Because that's what happens. It's not it's not um Billy Loomis and Sydney Prescott all the time. That's right. only in the movies. And I found that so adorable and sweet and kind of the only downtime that the film actually lets us off thinking about it is yeah. actually when some of them are having sex, except in the second part when she has sex with Greg mm. because all she's doing is looking at the door and thinking about it yeah. and thinking, is it going to walk through the door right now? What's going to happen? Have I let my guard down and now mm. it's going to come after me? Um, but I do find it um, like a, the way that it's filmed, both kind of those intimate scenes and the intimate scenes of them just hanging out together as well. I think of those as intimate scenes, mm. but also the way that like the entire film is filmed really interesting like the way it's like these this town is not particularly fascinating no it's just suburbia it's really boring it's really bland um none of it is like particularly beautiful to look at but the film obviously makes it beautiful Mm. um so i'm wondering kind of what do you make of the way that the that the film is actually shot and especially those very very brief in like two or three that we get of kind of intense uh not even violence just like terror i guess is the better word for it because it's it attacking the teenagers Mm. i think it's shot really beautifully like they have lots of really beautiful shots of hands um like especially jay's hands you're right um 
there's like the beginning where she's lying in the car playing with a flower then when she's passed out next to the flower there's a bit where her and Paul when her arms in a cast and her and Paul's hands are really close to each other in that moment um even like Greg's hand when Paul's watching through the like hospital door and Greg put his hand on any and you can just I don't know there's all these like little subtle like moments mm. that they capture really well and even the bit like you're right this place it isn't particularly interesting or beautiful like from an outside perspective like even when they're at the parking garage the way that's lit and shot when he has a tie to a chair is so gorgeous and I'm just like this is like so well done like I don't in her bedroom she has that like beautiful like peach lamp at the side of her mirror makes you feel like a dream like and she wears like peach mm-hmm. a lot and it just really implies a lot without with just light um and lots of lots of the scenes are quite like like I said they're quite washed out or quite stark um and he, when when the violence is happening there's not it doesn't suddenly cut to loads of like like heightened music and like quick cuts it kind of keeps it like, no, here's this, like, like, especially the one in the pool, it's like, here's this pool and they're making, they're making a lot of noise and because they're, they're panicking and they're trying to say where it is and what everything, but actually it's still just kind of like, no, it's a pool and it still feels like a pool. Doesn't it feel like, oh no, there's suddenly like all this stuff happening. It's just like this annoyingly like frustrating situation where only she can see where it is. She's trying to point where it is. They can't see it. They're trying to hit it or shoot it or whatever. And it's throwing stuff in the pool. So there's a lot of stuff happening, but they don't make it like faster. It's like the thing's obviously throwing the stuff into the pool in a really considered way because he's trying to actually hit her. And, you know, it takes a while. And even when it pulls her back under and like, and there's not, there's not a huge amount of like very bold color. So like stuff like her red nails are really striking in it. And when there's blood in the pool, that's really striking because you actually don't get that big pop of color. Like in many scenes, everything's quite yeah, muted. Cause even, the, Cause even the mangled body of the teenage girl from the very yeah. first start from the first scene, she's pretty like, it, I mean, we see her, as almost like a still photograph, sort of yeah. completely, you know, torn to shreds. But there's hardly an, a, any blood. It's very yeah. muted as well. And the same, and that, but so color only get, um, and really actually red gets used in a very specific way. Like when the girls, the first girls at the beach at the very beginning, when she's waiting mm-hmm. for the thing to come get, it's just red headlights that she's in. I believe, like, and like, or there's like a red glow in the forest, like where it's, and I'm like, it's very yeah. specific scene where he's gone like, and it, I, where he's just gone and, and some color. And they're really striking every time they happen. They're really considered and really well done. And they come in at really good points. And I think, yeah, I'm glad it never kind of gets that frantic. It's frantic because of what's happening, but they're never doing too much and to make us feel like, oh, it's more frantic than it needs to be. It's like, no, it's scary mm. enough that there's all this activity happening and we're just watching it from this, like, from like kind of a distance space and like watching it happen. And it happens quite slowly. Like even when you realize on the beach, for example, when you realize that her friend who's walking towards her is actually the real ones in the water and the one walking towards her is it. It takes a long time after that realization. It t- still takes like, and w- it doesn't, even if you're in sight and it realizes it's been it's gone undetected it doesn't speed up it still comes at that pace and the fact that it's like the back of her hair going up i'm like i like the slow Mm. and everyone being like what 
and the slow realization and then them trying to fight something they can't see and her shooting them just being like what are you doing like the confusion in those scenes their confusion is enough we don't need like like to make it seem more like it's it's enough like them running at the pace they're running them hiding when they're hiding her trying to get away Mm -hmm. her driving like into a thing but it all in real time is like plenty um so i think it's really like smart that they don't that he like that he trusted that he didn't need to do more to make it Mm. feel urgent and scary it's like no their reactions to this is enough like us watching them be panicked is actually enough um and we've spoken a little bit about kind of wes craven mm. but i definitely also feel a lot of john carpenter especially in the way that he shot halloween the first one Mm. and a lot in the music which you mentioned before Mm. um kind of do do you did you get bits of carpenter as well when you were watching this? yeah and i kind of like in the kind of also bleak there's no way out of this situation (laughs) okay like way i was just like yeah this is just there's no they have no they're just doing their best like (laughs) in this like kind of fuck situation but yeah the music and the not afraid of the quiet reminds me of like carpenter and then having like quite this distinct music come in at Mm. points um but also not being afraid of like scenes that are boring which aren't actually boring like that reminds me of carpenter um yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those things. It's one of those films that feels, you know, sometimes when people are like, oh, it's an ode to this director because I really love their work, but it just feels like mm-hmm. they've just cut and pasted things. This yeah. genuinely feels like an ode. It's like, oh, you can tell that you really appreciate the work they've made, but you also understand that you want to make it your own or that you want to do something slightly different with it that that's what that's at the base of it that's your influence and it feels like it's it's like uh, internalizing what made those directors that they love actually work right that's not just this the superficial stylistic choices it's like yeah you can use anyone well, anyone you know a lot of people can create the synthy music that sort of it has a John Carpenter vibe, mm. but not everybody can use it in the in a way that makes it as effective yeah. as when Carpenter uses it. Right. And it's stuff like, yeah, you're right. It's like internalizing what they're actually doing rather than going, I like this scene. And so I'm going to try and recreate the scene in my work. Um, like even stuff, I mean, this is a really out there comparison, but like even stuff like The Thing, I'm like the fact that this is hopeless situation um, and at the end, their main concern is just like, well, we can't let it leave. And obviously it's, it's like a lot more bleak. <laughs> it's not as cute as it? it follows. But the fact that they kind of go, well, I guess we'll just keep it with us for as long as we possibly can. Like that's, that's the best option here. There's no way out of this. We're not even going to try and like find a way out. We're just going to do our best to contain this thing. Um, for as long as possible um and that kind of ending which again is unusual for a teen horror is like that feels even like influenced by that not being afraid to make it like kind of like yeah they're kind of fucked but at least they have each other (laughs) like like situation (laughs) 
<laughs> it's bleak until the very end. It yeah. really com- commits to the bleakness. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to ask you, you know, do you think there is a way out? I think there probably is, but I don't think they have the resources to know what that is. I think it would entail, I think it would be a different film where it would entail finding out what this thing is um finding a way to kill it finding out where it came from or where it started or some such like thing um or doing something that like somehow you know when you like not break the rules but like where you do something so it's like a it's like a catch-22 where they they figure out a way of what if we do this then it doesn't it won't know what to do and so it will kind Mm -hmm. of be like in a state of like like in a state of um what the fuck am I trying to say Uh, where it can't do anything because it's kind of stuck in a position that we've kept it in somehow like i'm actually <laughs> another random reference but it reminds me of like like the lich i don't know if anyone watches adventure time but like the lich in adventure time where there's a point where they trap it in this space where it can't make it it's it's one goal is to cause death and it, they trap it in a space where it doesn't have that option so therefore it's just stuck in a like in a point of stasis because it can't do what it's its primary function is to do so i feel like there's probably like a loophole like that or something mm. like that. But honestly, it feels like none of my business. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, how would you even begin to find that out? Like, um, you know what I kind of really love is that there is no, there is no Donald Pleasance figure in this. Mm. There is no all knowing right person who is like, this is how you defeat it. This is how you stop it. Like, there is no such figure. There are literally, you know, we spoke a little bit about the adults, but what feels so original about this film is the fact that there is no one who is helping them. Right. The most they get is from Hugh, the the first guy that, like, mm. passes on it to, to Jay. And he he tells her the rules, and that's it. He's like, I'm out. Yeah. But there is no one who comes in It's like, I know how to get rid of it. Right. These are the rules. This is the the ancient history of it. Like no, or they're even just they're trying to figure it, it out. From even from beyond the person before them, who gave it to them, they don't know. Like it's no. just it's so vague. And um, yeah, the parents, the adults throughout this whole thing, like they purposely, they're not really like. I think the m- most of an adult we see is like Greg's mum probably yeah and i feel like that's yeah. more so we see her face that when it's it is her we know it's her but um we see hugh's mum briefly that's very brief um but there's one shot where we see jay's jay and her sister's mom which and she's they're all hanging out on the couch it's like she's not even there and she's in the background at the table drinking wine mm-hmm. and it's like she is not even part of the scene even though she's there, she can hear, she's close enough to hear everything that's being said. And they're not talking about anything specific, but she is just not engaged. She's just not part of this, this, these other people who are like living in her living room, who are like hanging out and like alive and young and whatever. She's just there drinking. And there's something about a daytime mom drinking wine, like by herself at the kitchen table, like looking at nothing that is just speaks to a very specific idea of who this woman is. And we mm-hmm. like, we know vaguely like, um, there's a picture of Jay's dad on her mirror. Yes, who then who then takes the shape of it when they're in, in the, the pool, pool, which is obviously quite traumatizing. Again, we don't have more, more much information about why, I mean, apart from he's dead. No. We don't like 
there's stuff about his death clearly that's traumatized this family. Greg's mum, when when um Jay's first dumped off by Hugh and there's police around the house, Jay's mu- Greg's mum is like, oh, that family's a mess. And it, it again, it's hinted at that it's because like since the dad's died, I don't know what's happened, but this family's kind of fallen apart or are struggling or just have really struggled with this loss. And um clearly the mum has completely taken herself out of the situation of, of the equation like because of this so adults just are these just these figures who are just there but not there to really provide any even stuff like the registrar who like shows them the yearbook um at Hugh's school we never see her face and the only adult faces we really see clearly as like a person we're like focusing on are um when it when it's an adult is when it something that follow you happens to be an adult person um which is again really interesting like the cops they don't show any of their faces the bit that jay's talking to the policeman jay's sitting on a step and you can see the cop's leg and the, the cop voice is like hovering like above her somewhere but you never see their face um even in the hospital you don't see any doctors there's one nurse that walks past briefly and i'm like uh, um Adults have been raised in a very specific way where it's not like they're just not around. They're just not paying attention. They are just not engaged. They're too focused on other things to pay attention to these these teens and what they're doing. The fact that they're gone for several days and come back and they're injured and all, like the fact that Jay gets into a car wreck when her mum doesn't even know she's gone anywhere and has broken her arm. The fact that like child services haven't been called like no one is really paying like one of the girls gets shot by accident again no one seems to be the police aren't involved no one seems concerned it just seems like they just deal with things that happen to the teens as they come but no one's really asking the questions about why this is happening what's going on um and yet it it is that thing of like that like hopeless they are just that they are just really um alone they are just really in this with each other and for themselves which also explains why it passes on the way it does because if this is how all the teens it's passing on to it how it happens it's like they they're always i mean the fact that hugh was clearly renting a house and like i guess moved out of home for a little while while he was while this is happening to him and then went back home. It's like, does your mom have questions about that? He's obviously also a more jumpy, paranoid person now. Like, your son has changed. Do you have questions about that? Like, it just feels like they, it feels very clever how I feel like the disconnect that, that teens often would feel with their parents or adult figures that have forgotten what it's like to be a teen and how sometimes not seriously their lives are taken or seriously their concerns are taken because at the initially jay tells you know she tells the police and presumably her mum what hugh told her and her mum has no more questions about it when jay's hold up on her room it's her sister her sister's trying to get her out her sister's bringing her food like her mum has like checked out um i think i think that's what kind of makes it so effective Mm. emotionally like it's not articulated explicitly in the film but it's there in in directorial choices Mm. and character choices and the way the things are framed as you've described and those are the things that then like unless you talk about it specifically 
you don't notice them necessarily. They're mm-hmm. not super obvious. There's not like a character saying, oh, my mom doesn't pay attention to right. us. No, you just see it. You just see it yeah. and what's unfolding. And then that's the bit that then sticks. Yeah. And they're kind of really foregoing uh, this, you know, the, 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 I guess, traditional uh, over explanation that happens sometimes in horror films, oh, specifically yeah. in teenage films, where there's like, you know, they all arrange themselves in a little Scooby-Doo gang and then they figure things out and then explain them to us, the audience. Mm. And, and they have to have a whole like, no, mom, you don't get us situation. This is very serious. It's like, no, they're mm. just, they're just getting on with shit and no one is paying attention to them. Exactly like you said. And that is yeah. so, it's so isolating and lonely. So I think like one of the things that really resonates of this film is doesn't, it doesn't drill down the fact that they're by themselves. It just shows us. And it's, I think it's one of those, you know, I hate like too much exposition in a horror film. So this film is like, perfect for that where it they don't they drop us in and we learn who they are just through the scenes we're seeing there's no point we know some of their history but it feels like natural conversations it doesn't feel like expositiony there's no big like yeah big talk even in the plan at the pool we don't see the discussion that happens about it and i love that i love that it's like we are like oh they have a plan we don't know what it is i guess we'll find out like I love that they yeah, pause it, it because back there's no so need much. to show us the plan yeah. twice. Right, exactly. We're going to see the plan in action. We don't need to hear them discuss it. And I really enjoy the when we're dropped in on a group of people at a moment in time, and we don't need no one's trying to fill in backstory. Even the beginning girl, how how vague that beginning is. It's like I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like it's so good because at that point they don't show us it. We are not seeing anything. So I'm just like, mm. this is such a good setup for this. And um and all this like We not- don't even know why the hell she's wearing heels when no. she's running out of the house in the middle of the night. No. Why are you wearing heels, girl? Why are you wearing heels? Why are you wearing at night? Like, did it just happen? Did it like I don't know. Like there's all this kind of stuff that like is very confusing. And, like they don't feel the need to say like about anything. They're like, no, you just you're learning this part of the story and that's all you need to know. And you're at these people in this part of their lives. You don't need to know anything else about their lives. Um, and I think it's really clever because I think one of the biggest mistakes horror films do, especially newer horror films, is they over-explain things. And I was like, it just takes away from something and I just don't want too much explanation. Um, but also all these things, like even my view of the sex in the film, even noticing the mother and stuff in the dad's picture, all of this, com- this is a film that keeps on giving. I've only come to, there were things I noticed when I watched it this morning that I hadn't noticed before. Do you know what I mean? Like there, it, it's one mm-hmm. of those films that just really does well with repeat viewing. It's really worth repeat viewing because there are things you notice and your opinions. Like when I first watched it, I think I was like, you know, of the same mind, like, oh, it's a sexual STD. Like that's what it is. And only through repeated viewings have I been like, oh, this is like different actually. And these are like, these sex scenes have been made very specific for a reason. And, you know, and I even, even, I don't think I noticed the mum in the background of that first scene on the first couple of mm. viewings. I don't think I noticed a picture of the dad in the first couple of viewings you know I don't think I noticed that some of the people who are, who are it show up in other scenes kind of in the like as background artists as as their actual person selves um 
so they're vaguely people she recognizes or used to seeing as well, which is fascinating. Like, you know, and all the decisions were made so like strategically and it's so clever that it takes you a while to even, you're like, oh God, oh yeah, this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think it's just done. And there's so much to obsess about. Like even the fact that the like the 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 shell e-reader her friend has became this massive thing. Yes! It doesn't even exist. But like everyone was like, wait, what is it? How do we get that this? That she like reads Wikipedia on? Yeah, but she's no she's she's reading like she's reading like um um Dostoevsky. Like <laughs> and it's just like That is such like, a Juno moment as well, where you're like, like like everyone's like, where do you and it's like, oh they just made it as a prop. It's like stylistically the choices were so specific it's so nice when someone cares this much about their film that they've made this specific they want this specific weird random prop that everyone has got weirdly obsessed with like i noticed for the first time i watched it this morning she's wearing a shell choker when she goes like where did she even get that like all the choices are so specific and i'm just really obsessed with it because i'm like I don't, even, I don't even know what this is. Like, where would you get that? Like, it's amazing. I love it. But like, what? It, um, I yeah. think those are the things that make it feel weirdly out of time. Yeah. Like, we know yes. the place. It's definitely the United States. It's definitely um, Detroit. It's definitely Michigan. But like, time-wise, I'm like, I don't know. Like, they could be in the 80s. They could be in the 2010s. Yeah. I don't really know where these things like, are. What like, shop did you buy the shell choker from? Where is this shell e-reader from? Like, it's just, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's just very clever and just very specific. And as far as, like, I don't think there's a way out of it, but the, it does go by human rules. Like we were saying, it can't, like, just walk through a door. Like, if a door's locked, it has to, like, break it down. It has to smash a window. So I feel like... I would have tried to trap it <laughs> in like somewhere where it can't get out of. Like if you trap it in like a, I don't know where I'd find a steel room, but if I could find one. Like with like trap a, it in concrete, like Russell Edgington. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> um, maybe not even that, but like even just a room that has no other, do- has one door, no windows that's made of like metal and has like a vault door on it. It's like, what would it do? Like, <laughs> I'm sure it'd still be trying to get out, but like, I mean, how long would it take a, like a person to like get through metal? Like how, how long you worry? That's at least like, I mean, maybe a couple of hundred years, you know, like that everyone's safe. So like, <laughs> that would be, that would be, <laughs> I, get, I don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm sourcing this metal room with a, a vault door that I can trust that no one's ever going to open. Don't know where I'm getting that, but like, <laughs> if I could source one. If there was a bank vault just lying around, like that was I had access to, I guess. I guess if I was rich, it'd be easier. I mean, you could convince, like, like, you could sleep with a a banker and convince them to just let you trap it in the vault. I guess if you'd have to be also have a clever way of like getting it because it's not dumb, right? So you'd have to like somehow trick it into following you in there, and then you have a way out, but it doesn't. Yeah, like, I don't know. There's a lot of planning involved. <laughs> Maybe that's optimistic of me that I could even do this. <laughs> but that would be my plan. <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> I'd just call my, like, vault guy and I'd I'd have something made up and I'd... Um, Your vault guy? You've got a vault guy? You know, everyone has a vault guy. <laughs> I'd be like, hey. <laughs> everyone what's does. What's a turnaround on this kind of room? <laughs> or, like, you know who's that guy who had the scary, like, murder hotel? 
like that kind of situation where it's just impossible for it to get out. <laughs> like I'd source one of those places. <laughs> what was his name? H.H. H. Holmes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I'd source an H.H. H. Holmes, like Vibe Hotel. I'd find that somewhere. I'd be like, you yeah, know, but also you, you'd have to be. like make sure that the H.H. H. Holmes style guy doesn't kill you first <laughs> before you could well, actually. I'd have to like, like have an inn where we were like on good terms uh-huh. like i've got someone that will be here forever like here for you to torture forever it's a thing that you can torture or always yeah have like, like a like, murder great. bond yeah um some situation like that again i don't know how i mean that's it's not fully worked out but <laughs> that's something to to develop for the sequel i mean they've been kind of speaking right. about making a sequel for for a little bit although i really don't want them to i know it's probably gonna happen i like don't years. want one yeah. i don't want one i'm good i think this is perfectly formed as it is and the it's ending a, works and people always do that when a film successful it's like yeah but because it's it's perfect and it's like little it doesn't need a mm-hmm. yes it's done really well and this, that's leave it at that like make let that director make other films let's not try and capitalize on this one good film he did let him do other good things um so yeah but you know i don't know why these little detroit teens didn't think of a vault but you know hey they're, they're teenagers <laughs> they're you know all teenagers i don't know why they didn't just like source a vault somewhere and do this <laughs> my plan <laughs> next time and so to to kind of start wrapping up our conversation about it mm. follows what do you think has been its impact i think what it's done is strive made people strive to make films that are smarter when it comes to horror as far as not smarter like oh you have to be like a fucking genius to watch it smarter in the sense of like oh, the lore is smarter. What's happening? What's scary about this is not just, here's a ghost. Like, oh, it's 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 more intricate than that. Mm-hmm. And without plot holes or without, like, I think it's made people, str- I don't know if many people have been successful necessarily. Like, especially when it comes to teen horror, newer teen horror, I think. And also the thing where it's like, it's based in very human real emotion rather than heightened emotion. Mm-hmm. I think that's also, I've seen things strive for. They try to connect with you on a human level. Again, I'm not sure everyone's achieved it, but there's been an attempt at least to to have you uh, interact with it on that level, on a human level first, which I think is a good thing. I think is a good thing to have as a goal or to have in your mind when you're making something like like a horror and there's films that like i mean it's not a teen horror but have you seen i don't know when it came out actually it might have come out when did it come out the humans when did that come out films like that which is like an emotional haunting and the whole time you feel unset it's that's so la- fucking smart that's last year that came out last right. year and it's it's it, oh i'm like when did it come out last year um it's so clever and it's, it, it's somehow terrifying without any terrifying anything like if nothing happens that's terrifying but the whole time I was like oh, like <laughs> it was like had like a pit in my stomach and I was like it's it it's made people look at what actually haunts people look at what actually really scares people and I feel like I mean I have to like put the caveat in I feel like that I feel like more western horror and like 
American and British horror films have now been trying to do that and smart, be smart about the point of view and be smart about what the scary thing is and why it's scary and psychologically how that works and how it stays with you. Because I feel like, like, I think Korean horror films have been doing it for a long time. I think Japanese horror films have been doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think French horror, I think there's a lot of other countries that have l- l- latched onto that or figured that out like a long time ago. And I think at some points, like films that we're like in, in England and America have found it occasionally, but then not been able to continually do it in the same way because a lot of the time what happens, like we were just saying about It Follows and want to make a sequel, they go, oh, this is good. And then they kind of take away the reason it was good to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And then, then everything becomes like the sequels and everything kind of gets lost in this melee of like, recreation or taking scenes from people films they like and going oh, I want to do something like that and it's like but you've just lifted things from this other thing rather than like mm. really try to find the essence of it so I feel like it's kind of it kind of pivoted into a way of um of realizing that people want to engage with that kind of film because I think on paper it follows it wouldn't necessarily have been as popular as it was and people like truly love it and I think it was a surprise I think when something comes out as a surprise like that people are always like how do we recreate and I think it still takes a little while for them to be successful in actually hitting the nail on the head on why that was good um and like all the films we were discussing like the Babadook Girl Walks Home Alone at Night um let the right one in again people have kind of they've gone oh that's good and like well let the right one in they're like let's make an american version it's like no <laughs> that's not it's what not you do with this new information this new good thing like make something new like let that inspire you to make something else so i think it's still finding its feet but i think it did um it was part of that like group of films that made people go oh it can be smart and it can be about very human things even if it's supernatural it, it it can have like very human things at the basis of it at the crux of it um and i think that's kind of where it's pivoted to for like for like you know more indie horrors anyway i think that's that's often where they're trying to start from yeah i mean thank you so much for thank you a half hour of your time an hour and a half of your time and your insights into it follows it's always a pleasure and where can people find more of your work online um you can follow me on twitter at isara underscore bb and i got it this time (laughs) and you can follow me on instagram at isara saras um um where i post you know anything i'm doing what's coming up will be We'll be in there. And you can be seen yeah. on BBC. In- oh, it can be seen on BBC iPlayer in Toast of Tinseltown, being a creepy Manson-esque girl um, called Snorky. <laughs> um, um, you know, <laughs> really fun. <laughs> really, really normal name, really fun times. Um, and there'll be more stuff. I'll post, like, you'll see on my Twitter and stuff. There's stuff coming out this mm-hmm. year. None of it horror, unfortunately. God damn it. But there's stuff coming out this year that you'll you'll see me pop up in. I know. No horror. What a travesty. But um Truly. I'll be about. <laughs> I'll be hanging around. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. I love it as always. <laughs>